Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice. Our guest for this episode is Don Griffin. Don is a founder of 1821 Skills Camp in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's a program directed at young football athletes. He specifically works with quarterbacks and receivers inside the chalk with the goal to make their better their best. His desire is to impact the athletes in the time spent inside the white line so that the life they choose to live outside the lines of the field will bless their creator, their family, their community, and themselves. Don was a high school All-American quarterback, played at LSU for three years, and then transferred to Southeastern Louisiana University, where he was the Offensive Player of the Year at the Gulf South Conference in 1976, first-team all-conference quarterback, and selected team captain, as well as being an Associated Press All-American Honorable Mention quarterback. Hope you enjoyed the next few minutes with Don Griffin. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Holding the Ladder in Sport and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Rice, and our guest for this episode comes to us from the great state of Louisiana, Don Griffin, who uh, really has a great background in the sport of football and uh, has a lot of uh, record-setting background as a quarterback and uh, down there in Louisiana, and I'm really excited to learn about how he develops future quarterbacks um, in his role. So, Don, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, uh, Tim. It's a it's a real honor to be with you and to talk a little bit about my favorite subject, <laughs> quarterback. And I, I work with receivers as well. You know, you got, if you're a quarterback, you got to love your receivers, right? So uh, I spend a lot of time with them as well. <laughs> well, right. And uh, before the podcast started today, here the interview, I was speaking about Scott, uh, my recent uh, guest, Scott Hunter, a former NFL and Crimson Tide quarterback. And he talked about when he was at Viger High School in Mobile, how he had some really good receivers and, he was able to get the ball to those people and it helped him have a lot of success going forward. And of course he had some pretty good ones uh, at Alabama and the NFL as well. So. Certainly. Uh, yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Don. Okay. Yeah, sure. I, you know, it, it's really uh, fun to talk about this. I hadn't really discussed it much, but you know, I was uh, one of five boys. My dad, uh, was just all about his sons being uh, being football players for sure, and uh, for sure athletes. And football, I think, was his favorite. So uh, it actually became mine as well. But at my, at our home growing up, it was football, baseball, swimming, boxing. I wasn't too good as a boxer, but I got knocked out a few times, and, and my nose can show it. Um, you know, we we volleyball, basketball, weightlifting, all those things were part of what we did at our home growing up and it was constant competition. So it, it was a great, uh, great place. Uh, my home was a great place to grow up and learn to compete and be the best you can be. So uh, that was a whole lot of fun. I, and, I, and I ended up, you know, um, really picking football as, you know, w- what I would work to try to pay for my education through college and, and, uh, and you know, ended up doing pretty well at it, so.
you certainly did. And I, you know, I know you, did you play at LSU to start your career? Yes. I was three years at LSU and uh, I enjoyed my time at LSU. I, you know, I uh, kind of felt like I should have been playing a little more than I was. And so me and the quarterback coach didn't really see eye to eye. And, but anyway, that uh, caused me to, to make a move. And I moved over to Southeastern University, which is the second largest university in Louisiana, and uh, got to play for an incredible coach, uh, Coach Billy Brewer there, who ended up being the won the national championship with Louisiana Tech, and then went on to be the coach at uh, Ole Miss for 11 seasons. And uh, but anyway, I I loved Coach Brewer, and when you're talking about you know, those who kind of have held the ladder for you. Billy Brewer was certainly one of those because it was a low point for me, Tim. It was a low point for me when I had to leave LSU because of just some differences in coaching. And But then when I got over to Southeastern, there was someone there to hold the ladder for me, and it certainly was Coach Brewer. Well, and looking back on that, and again, as soon as you brought his name up, I thought Ole Miss immediately. Uh, yeah. uh, as a guy who loves football, especially college football and Southeastern Conference football. Um, you know, I know that uh, you, you talk about holding a ladder or him holding a ladder for you and everything. And, you know, I, I think about something that you sent me before we got, uh, you know, we scheduled this interview and it, it said, I like to tell people God gave Moses a stick. And with that stick, God offered him an opportunity to influence a whole nation of people and that God gave you a football in a sense. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? You better believe it. You better believe it. I, I thank you for asking that question because that, that really is the entry point for me. Uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I can almost get emotional <clears throat> about this, but football has given me such an opportunity to develop relationships with young men. And, um, and God gave me, God gave me a football. And, I, and, um, and so what the, the whole purpose of what I do with 1821 skills camp is, uh, is, is a means by which to develop relationships with young men so that then I can maybe influence and speak into their lives. What I think we have in the culture today, Tim, is a, is a group of young men, is young men everywhere who are looking for a safe place looking for someone to believe in them and to speak life into them and, to, and so that they can rise and be all that they can be. And, uh, and so football has just been an avenue for me to do that. And, and what, what, uh, what I've just enjoyed doing is getting inside the chalk with young men and working on our skills as, as players, as quarterbacks and receivers, working to be the best that we can be. In fact, I, I think of a, a comment that one of one of my mentors, um, a life mentor for me, Coach Bill McCartney at the University of Colorado, you know, he he has been my personal mentor for many many years now, for thirty years. And um, you know, he says, Donnie, he goes, his he, he had a little ditty that he would say all the time: "Good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is your better and your better is your best." And so, as we work inside the chalk. Um, at 1821 skills camp, we're trying to be the best that we can be. And we're trying to coach in such a way, Tim, 
with young men that when they step outside of the chalk, they'll be, they'll be able to make decisions uh, that are best for them and the people around them. Yes, we need to be able to, if we're going to be an effective football player, especially at the quarterback position, you've got to be able to make decisions and make them fast. And that's what great players are able to learn, learn to do. But still, but in the game of life, we got to do the same thing. We got to learn to make the appropriate decisions and the best choices so that we can be all that we can be. So I don't see a whole lot of difference other than a white chalk line between the two because uh, they're both part of the process of growing and being the best we can be. So you bring up uh, Coach McCartney, of course, the, the founder of Promise Keepers. Have you been involved in that as well? Yes, I was. Uh, I worked with Promise Keepers for years as one of the uh, one of the development guys. Uh, I can remember, quite frankly, Tim, when when the idea of Promise Keepers was just an idea in Coach McCartney's mind. On a Saturday morning, he and I took a walk on the University of Colorado campus, and he says, "Donnie." He goes, I'm telling you, I've got this idea in my head. He goes, I think what God is directing me to do is to call a huddle. And if I call a huddle, they're going to be a group of men that gather. And we're thinking about, he said, I'm thinking about doing this the, the last Saturday in July of 1991. He goes, I'm thinking about doing this. I, he goes, what I see though, Donnie, he goes, what I see, and this is, this is coach telling me this, Tim, it was so incredible. He said, what I see, Donnie, is I see in the future, stadiums filled with men and, and, and standing up and making a, uh, making a declaration to live for Almighty God. He goes, now that's what I see. He said, but I hadn't had the first conversation with people yet about it, but this is what I see in the, in the, you know, in, 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 um, just in my vision for this thing. So sure enough, that was in February of that year. In July, we met, we had 3,400 men there. And then, of course, you know, the rest is history. It went from 3,400 men to 22,000 to 52,000. And then we started filling stadiums all over the country. But coach said to me in the very beginning, he says, Donnie, I think you're supposed to be involved with me. You're over in California. At that time, Tim, I was living in California and, um, you know, working with young men, young athletes. And he said, I, I, I think you need to be involved. And so we got involved. And yeah, the rest is history of what happened there. But by 1997, Coach told me, he said, in that first time that we were together, Tim, he said to me, he said, honey, what I see is over a million men in one place, all of us just singing songs uh, of worship to God. Well, would you believe in 1997, we had 1.4 million men in one place uh, doing just that. And uh, so this is a remarkable thing that happened that I got to be a part of. And of course, it's just emblazoned upon me, inculcated into my mind the idea that this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, getting involved with, with young men and helping them uh, get on the, the right path. So anyway, get excited about it, buddy. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just like you. I get excited about, especially when it, it, it comes down to holding a ladder to help young people climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible. Um, now, obviously, with your, with your background in playing collegiate football and not just playing, but, you know, being a, a, basically an honorable mention All-American at Southeastern Louisiana and, and uh, you know, all Gulf South Conference play offensive player of the year 
and all these things. Has that helped you be able to connect with uh, the young people that you're trying to uh, help in quarterbacking? Yeah, I, I think it has. When, you, when you've had a level of success, it, your, your influence seems to – that brings with it some influence that you wouldn't uh, ordinarily have. And so, you know, I, um, yeah, the fact that I could play pretty well, I'm sure – creates a, a little more of an opportunity for me and uh, you know uh, that's just been a, a real gift to be able to to to, to do that you know what, what I what I see is that young men are looking for a revelation what I would call Tim a revelation companion someone someone who will speak into their lives in fact what I what I, I we call it a trance call it a vision call it what, whatever you want to call it but there was a moment in time uh, in in um, in August of 1998, where I had uh, this idea, I saw in my mind's eye, uh, it was a field full of envelopes. Tim, it was a field full of envelopes, as far as I could see, about three feet high, collected on the on the ground, and they were there were three feet of white white envelopes, and I'm looking at this. At, the, at this thing. And I said, what, what in the world is this? And so I, I hear an internal voice that says to me, what you are looking at is messages from God in envelopes that I'm waiting for someone to come along and grab the envelope, take the contents of the envelope out and read it to the next generation of men. For this is what I have for young men to do. And so I, I, I literally took that as kind of an order for me to kind of uh, to, to learn to speak into the lives of young men, to create a revelation companion where I can, where I can speak life into what I see in the gifting of young men uh, so that they can blossom and be all that they can be. So I, I took it, I've taken it to heart. And that's been my practice with 1821, certainly for, for 35 years. Well, for, you know, I guess I started a little before with, with what I work with, my work with young men in 1987. But this was 98 when I got this clear call to speak into the lives of young, of young men. Wow, what a uh, just a, a very interesting um, illustration that you just offered, uh, because it is about having a mindfulness to actually want to help. I don't necessarily know if every person has that mindfulness to want to help. And I, I think, you know, your, your, your faith, and I'm, I'm a man of faith as well, you know, your faith obviously has led you into a place. And, and I, I find this very interesting in, in reading the information about you, you know, that you sent me uh, that your passion is encouraging people to love and do good works and all they do, no matter their calling that is holding the ladder. I mean, ultimately being able to help people, uh, you know, uh, be encouraged, encouraging people to be the best they can be. And it sounds like that's exactly what you do now before the question I'd have, uh, Growing up, I mean, you probably competed and uh, played a lot of different sports. Uh, where are you from in Louisiana originally? Yeah, Baton Rouge. Okay. 
grew up in Baton Rouge. I played at Broadmoor High School, which was uh, always a state contender in football and certainly in basketball as well and, and baseball. And uh, a lot of athletes came in and went, gone to LSU from there and played other sports as well. But uh, yeah, just a great environment for, for sports. I played football, baseball. I, I was a swimmer. I was more a natural sinker, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's swim. It's a great, it's a great sport to, to, to get in shape with. Uh, and like I said, I taught, I, I did boxing as well and, uh, and played basketball. And I was a weightlifter too. I was an AAU weightlifter coming out of high school. I got it given me, um, unusual, I guess, strength for, uh, for the, certainly for the position I played in football. And so, you know, my time at LSU, I think I was uh, ranked, uh, you know, just by the grace of God, I, I think I was the second strongest athlete on the team as a, as a quarterback. So, but I knew how to lift weights. I had been trained. My dad had trained me for years on how to do that. So that was a sport that I really enjoyed as well. Yeah. And very, and I think being active in multiple sports, I mean, research shows that, uh, uh, that competing in multiple sports does make a difference, uh, for, I think, yeah, it does. It makes a big difference. And, uh, even, you know, a number of uh, major college football coaches have spoken about that as well. Now, yeah. uh, you mentioned Coach McCartney and, you know, Coach Brewer is holding a ladder for you. Who else held a ladder for you? Oh, without a doubt, Coach Stelly. Coach Stelly, when I came in as a sophomore to Broadmoor, Broadmoor had a history of being in state contention every year, but the, that's my sophomore year. They didn't, uh, they weren't necessarily sure about a quarterback. So I came in from my ninth grade junior high into the, into Broadmoor. My brother was a, was a senior. He was the starting fullback for a second year coming in. And I came in as a sophomore and the, the head coach was coach Vic Stelly, who knew the quarterback position. Gosh, he was just phenomenal. And he only was at Broadmoor as the head coach for a small period of time, but I got to have him as my coach my sophomore year. And he was the one that said, son, you can really be a good player. If you continue to work hard, keep your discipline, keep your head on straight. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but think so as to have sound judgment. And so I, I tried to embrace those things. And um, he's really the one that, that got me on the right track to be uh, an effective quarterback at the high school level. And he went on to be the, the offensive coordinator at McNeese State University. But, uh, but I got to have him as my head coach my sophomore year, and he held the ladder for me, for sure. Is he somewhat, I mean, do you still use a lot of the things that you learned from him in, in training your folks? Without a doubt. Yes, indeed, I do. And, um, you know, even from the right to the grip of the ball, you know, most people say, oh, yeah, grip is not that important. Well, I think it is, um, you know, every now and again, you've got the, you've got a guy like a Joe Namath or a Phil Rivers uh, that, you know, is kind of out of the ordinary. They don't do things the way fundamentally that you would normally do it. But I think the fundamental of the grip of a ball is important and it's something that we need to work on and, and, and know about anyway. And uh, Coach Stelly helped me with that. Just very basic thing like that. You know what most people, Tim, don't even know. I'm talking about people who handle a football all the time. They don't know how many cross laces are on a football. I ask this question. I speak around the country and I ask the question, hey, 
Somebody tell me how many cross laces are on a football. You get anything from 14, 12, 16, 10, 6. They never say 8. 8 is the number of cross laces on a football. <laughs> and so and so, so in the anatomy of the sport, there's so much to learn. There's so much that we can, that we can, we, you know, we can learn from. And, uh, and uh, certainly that's one thing that goes, goes unnoticed some days. Yeah. And it is a detail. I was just thinking, you know, eight, 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 eight cross laces, basically. I mean, you got four fingers pretty much uh, on those. So that makes, yeah. that makes all sorts of sense, actually. Well, I, um, the grip of the ball for the grip of the ball i really uh, i i was taught uh there are only two fingers on the laces you know the oh yeah yeah basically your index finger is not there of course i have huge hands so that <laughs> really helps me my, my you know i'm only 5'11 but i have tremendously big hands for being so short and i have big feet and big hands <laughs> and uh but anyway on, only two laces only two fingers are touching the laces the rest are either underneath or above it, you know. Oh, wow. Well, that's interesting. Like, see, these are the kind of things that that uh, folks like <laughs> me uh, wouldn't really understand. But I, like, so that's neat that you're able to uh, carry on his legacy uh, through 1821 Skills Camp. Um, regarding the Skills Camp, uh, you know, you obviously you have your own uh, full time career outside of 1821 Skills Camp. But what what's the biggest challenges that you face, or what are some of the biggest challenges you face in in really running the Skills Camp? I mean, you know, the marketing of it and all these different things. What are your biggest challenges? Yeah, well, um, you know, the, the thing that um, that I try to get out there. This is an avocation for me. It is a passion of life, of my life to, to work with young men on the football field. Um, and so uh, sometimes I have to get over the fact that, look, um, you know, I, I'm not going to charge people money to come to learn how to, to better their skills in their sport. If money is ever an issue, don't you ever have to worry about that. So me getting the word out that come so that I can so that, that we can uh, enjoy this time together is something that I really need to work on to, to, to help people understand you don't owe me anything uh, if you're wanting to help with pay for a football or something like that since they're a hundred and forty dollars a piece now um, yeah a new football is a hundred and forty dollars by the way can you believe that <laughs> <laughs> that that's pretty crazy actually <laughs> yeah, you know, when you think about inflation, you all with a football, you're thinking, oh, you mean the air in it, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean the inflation from it's $140 for a new football today. So um, you know, uh anyway, that's that's another story. But I I, I think um I, I think that just getting the word, getting the word out to people that 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 we're available and that we're doing this, and 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 I have a a lot of kids. I can't I can't even cover the number of kids who want private sessions, and I do the best I can with that, and we work our schedule as as best I can. But that's one of the challenges for me, getting to the number of kids who really want the work. See, this is what I believe. I, I really believe, Tim, that young men are looking for a safe place. They're looking for a place where they can grow in, 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 in their development, in their physical development, but also from the inside out. 
quarterbacks, if quarterbacks are effective, they've got to be strong from the inside out. And, uh, and so I, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking for those opportunities to do that with these young men. And, you know, I, and I say this, Tim, you know, I have four daughters and my daughters were all, were all excellent athletes. I've got, yeah, yeah. My daughters were all very, very good athletes. And, um, you know, and, but because I have four daughters and now four granddaughters, uh, I've got a vested interest in men, in young men. And so, and I take that literal and that I'm not expecting that others are going to do it. I'm going to go out and do it. And I, I do, I do have an expectation that others would join, would join and that our, uh, that, that our tribe would increase of men who are pouring into the lives of, of the next generation of young men. But uh, I want to be sure to do my part that God's called me to do. So anyway, um, wow. Well, well, no, you're not. Actually, I, I think that it is important to. And and by the way, I, I think uh, you know your your wife Kate, having been married to her for you know 45 years, and uh, you want to talk about somebody who's you know I can tell you, my late wife Candy, God rest her soul, uh, uh, really supported me for you know our 27 years together and helping me be able to climb and and go different places all over the United States. And, oh. you know, I'm sure Kate has, uh, uh, how, how has she been influential in, in you going after your passion? She believes in me. <laughs> she just, she's just been my favorite. Yeah, she's she just been my fans, fan and supported me, recognizing maybe some of the gifting that I have and saying, yes, you can do that, Donnie, go. and. Uh, so it's been great that <clears throat> she's just been a support and um and she's she um uh, my wife has the gift of wisdom and so often she does she does uh, and I, I don't have the gift of wisdom i have wisdom because the holy spirit resides in me i recognize that wisdom is available to me but that's not my gift it is her gift and so I was told uh, several years ago, if you will listen to your bride, if you will listen to your wife, you'll stay out of the ditch. And <laughs> I'm telling you, it's been true, Tim. Uh, she has wisdom where I do not. And so, so grateful to her that for that gifting that she has. And she, share, she shares that with me so, so well. Yeah. Yeah, well, and we both married up, and uh, yes, you no, know, uh, I can tell you one of the la the last episode of 2022. Uh, hopefully, you'll get a chance to learn more about uh, my candy, and because uh, she did the oh, same it. thing for me, and uh, that's wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, and I, I, I think there was something you asked um, in in the information here. You said how important is network field of uh, of the of, of sport and i and, and i'm re reminded of a, a portion of scripture that says it's hebrews 10 24 and 25 it says let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good works not forsaking our assembling together but all the more as we see the final days approaching you know in these days that we are in whether they're final days or not i do not know but what i do know is that it's important 
for us to gather together, for us to encourage one another to love and good works, for us to find a group of people that we can pour into and 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 speak life to. And so, I, uh, yeah, uh, call it networking, if you will. Uh, but I think looking for opportunities to encourage others to love and good works is what we need to be doing in our culture. And how can we most effectively do that? And uh, so anyway. Yeah. Well, no, I, and, and I, I, I think that uh, a lot of people that I've interviewed uh, in the last uh, year and nine months now almost uh, for the podcast, some people have looked at the word networking and they've said, oh, I don't like that word. I don't like the word networking. I, I like developing relationships. I like friend raising. Oh, there are a lot of other things they brought up. And, you know, I know in, in uh, that some, everyone approaches it differently. And I think that when you approach it from the genuine perspective, then you don't look like you're trying to get something in return, which is what holding a ladder is all about. You're not trying to get anything in return. It doesn't matter if you get thanked. It's all about holding a ladder so people can climb to greater heights um so they're okay. kind of yeah and and it's something that my wife and i you know came up with and and uh really try to live every day and we believe it's a, a biblical thing um now when you look at uh you've worked with a lot of different people in the sport industry whether you were working with, uh, with coaches in high school college and of course uh now working with young people and other people in the in the profession my goodness you brought up bill mccartney i mean uh you know there there's some big names there <laughs> Yeah. Um, so what, what do you think, what kind of skills are necessary for, uh, being successful in the sport industry? And that could be in coaching administration. It could be in any area of sport. What are some skills you think are essential? Well, I, I, I think, um, I wrote down some things, of course, discipline, discipline, decision-making, having a short memory, because often we can get bogged down in what can look like a failure. Uh, but we need to, we need to be able to move on. So there needs to be uh, the ability to, to drop history and to go on to the next challenge. Uh, so I, I, I think those things are very, very important. I, I, um, I think uh, what, I, what I see is really important is to not think more highly of myself than I ought to think. And, um, and, and, and to try to communicate um, that I am that what 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 I want to do is ask questions that bring out the best in the people that I'm working with, and uh, and so that often in the question we find we can develop the relationships that are needed, at, so we can learn, gather information, and be the best we can be to support those around us. So uh, I, I think one of the uh, issues that we get confused with that uh, I know that I'm learning to do better with, uh, Tim, is to know, is to don't focus so much on the what we do, but continue to build on the why we do what we do. And in the, in the learning, in, 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 in trying to bring about more of the why, that we do the things that we do, what motivates us to do the things that we do. There is creative genius born there. And in that creative genius, we're able to communicate more effectively uh, what are the winning ways that are available to us. And in this great big 
uh, I think um, uh, in, in, in this great big world that we have where, where God makes himself available to us, there is still yet creative things that we can be doing to be more effective at what we do. And so if I, if I could put that in the words though really quickly, I, I think there are three things, Tim, um, that are most important. And that's in, uh, in building relationships, we build trust, we build intentionality, and we build an expectation. And I say that that's what ties, uh, that's what ties us together. When we, you cannot have a relationship without trust. And so how can we build trust uh, in the relationship? That's by consistent behavior. When we say we're gonna do something, we do that. And so we create a consistency that then allows another to believe that I'm not, I'm not gonna get the, the wool pulled, pulled uh, the rug pulled out from under me. I know that for so much of the time, why I'm so big on that is that I, I grew up in an environment with, um, God bless my dad, but he uh, did not learn appropriate skills for life. And so me and my brothers had to learn, we, we, we had to learn uh, not necessarily from my dad, some of those things. God bless my dad, he did the best he could do, but he didn't have the mentors that allowed him to build any trust. And so he didn't know how to stay consistent in his behavior. When we as mentors, uh, coaches, which I think are you know sports coaches in the American culture, are huge. I think they're some of the greatest influencers that there are. They they influence the masses of people, girls and guys, you know, in every in all the different sports. And so if if we can learn to build that trust, we can learn to build that trust, and then and then move on to um, intentionality, teaching that you know uh, if if it's going to be, it's up to me from the standpoint of disciplining myself so that I can be intentional in my activity. If I can learn to trust and be trusted, if I can be intentional, very deliberate in what I need to get done in order to be the best that I can be. And then the third thing that's so powerful is the expectation. Gosh, if you've got a team, if you've got a team who's, if the right guard on that football team has an expectation for the best for the tackle that's next to him blocking, you're gonna have a better program. You're gonna have a better performance if there's great expectation between those two guys. And if we can spread that to the team, then man, look out. A, an expectation for excellence, an expectation of we can do this, an expectation that I believe in you. If we can do that type of thing, if we can create that within a system, whatever the system is, if it's in a business, if it's on the football field, if it's at basketball, or if you're on the swim team, if you can, if you can create an environment where you're expecting the best from those around you and they expect the best from you, then this is a good place uh, to breed for breed success. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes comes from uh, the Reverend Billy Graham. And uh, he said once a coach will impact more people in one year than the average person will in an entire lifetime. Wow. I think then, I they, yeah, it's a it's a great quote. Whew, that's so good. 
Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of folks that are in the industry of coaching that a lot of times look at the, um, the winning all at all costs uh, mentality. And they don't think about it from that perspective, because we can, we have the power to influence good or bad. It's the choice that we make, which of those will it, will it be right? You know? Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I think when you have, uh, you know, you have a spiritual, uh, walk to your life a spiritual relationship with god then you have something else that really drives you as well and i i so appreciate your your advice because i do think expectations matter and i think when uh you know somebody i'll I'll tell you a quick story i i was invited when i was a, a faculty member and coach at grove city college in just north of pittsburgh uh pennsylvania I was invited uh, to go to um, Quantico, Virginia, to observe um, Officer uh, Basic School and uh, Officer Candidate School uh, wow. there. And uh, they talked about a four-letter word called love, mm. and and they talked about it a lot in the, in their discussions with us. And we even heard it within the training that we watched of the the candidates. And I think a lot of times people don't think about it from that perspective. Now, uh, we have a choice as leaders to either invest in others and pour into the lives of others or try to get something that, you know, really is not going to be eternal in return. Because winning doesn't, I mean, most uh, folks, unless they're just full of themselves, don't really even know off the top of their head, you know, how many games they've won, lost or whatever, typically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, I, and, you know, I, you know, 1821 skills camp, uh, the reason it's called 1821 is based on Proverbs 1821, where, you know, biblically, we know historically that Solomon is thought of as the wisest man that ever lived. And so he, he made this statement in, um, in 1821, um, Proverbs 1821 says, death and life is in the tongue and those that use it shall eat of its fruit. So I, as coaches, I think it's very important. And as those of us uh, in the sports world who have the influence, it's important that we measure our words, that how we communicate to young men and women uh, those that are uh, under our uh, authority, if you will, at, for seasons of time, that we speak words of life uh, over them and and not shame a kid. What I what what has been my uh, what we've tried to do, what we've tried to do, and I hope we have at eighteen twenty one is that environment is one where a kid is free to give it everything he's got and be proud of the fact that he's given it everything he's got and working to be the best that he can be. And he's going to be encouraged. And when we see those things that, that are, are good and that he's improving, we're going to speak to those. And what we have seen, Tim, in when we create that type of environment, a kid gets better and better and better much more quickly than if you're shaming him and say, I can't believe you didn't do that, blah, 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 which so often is the is the approach that people make. And we, we're just trying not to do that so that we can just show it, create a different atmosphere in there. Yeah. And so, you know, that, 
Yeah, it's big. It's big, man. It sounds simple, like a simple thing, but it's really big, I think. Well, but okay, you know, that I believe that the biggest things are simple. I think too many times we we make uh, we confuse a lot of young people with things that are a little more too complex. But I do think that if we are simple and to the point and really if we show love and concern for others, it's amazing what can happen. Uh, thus, the whole and ladder concept that uh, my wife and I came up with. That's um, incredible. That's incredible. God bless you and Candy for that. That's beautiful, brother. I, I mean, yeah. I, when, I, when I heard it, I went, oh, my gosh, it's so good. It's so good, man. Uh, well, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. And it, it really, God just kind of placed it on our shoulders and, uh, and uh, really in our hearts, first and foremost, because we want to make a difference in the lives of a lot of people. And and I, I just think that it uh, a lot of times people look out for themselves and not for the, the needs of others. And I'm not perfect by any stretch, none of us are, but um, I do think it's important. Um so you provide a lot of great insight today and great uh, thoughts. Um, but what what's one piece of advice? Let's just say, for instance, one of your quarterbacks at eighteen twenty one ends up going to play college football, ends up you know finishing their career, earning a degree, and they come to you and say, Don, you know, I want to start my own football uh, skills camp, just not in Baton Rouge, uh, you know, or wherever. Um, but like. How, what would be one piece of advice you'd give that person as they're starting? Yeah, I, well, I, yeah, I would say to them, here, here's, I, here's what I would say. I would say this to them. You only get done what you plan to do. What you plan to do is where your priorities are. Where your priorities are is where your treasure lies. Where your treasure lies, there will your heart be also if you desire to do this if you if this if if deep within you you want to do this guess what if it if it's where is if it's where your heart is then you will you you will accomplish it you will look at if it's because where your heart is will direct what you do day to day and it will move you toward those things that your heart is called to do so i would say go for it with everything you have and uh, how can i help you <laughs> there you go just just don't take business from me right right <laughs> no just kidding but um no i think that <laughs> that's fine <laughs> well and um and it's the lord's yeah. with all my heart yeah yeah i'm with you and i i agree and you know too many times I find it interesting in the industry of coaching uh, that a lot of times people don't want to share of their wisdom in clinics and things like that because they feel like, well, that's going to be used against them. And I'm like, man, if I, if there's a way that I can help someone be better in, in basketball, which is my area, you know, coaching basketball and they beat me on in a game, I'll be the first person to say, congratulations, man. You did really well with that. <laughs> you know? Yes, indeed. That's so yeah. good. Yes, brother. Yeah. With you. Yeah. yeah. With <laughs> so um, the last question, you've talked about it pretty much the whole episode here, but, you know, uh, you know, how do you hold the ladder for others? I mean, you've obviously talked a lot about that, but I mean, how, how do you do it? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I try to, uh, I start each day preparing my heart. 
because I recognize that apart from preparing my own heart, then I won't have the words to say. I won't have the wisdom. I won't have the understanding that I need that the Brit that they might that they might um, might need need from me for the day. And so, um, you know, I, I want to first and foremost take care of my own heart. And uh, and so I do that every day. I have to say, by the by the grace of God, uh, just meeting uh, to prepare my own heart for the day has been something that I've done very consistently for the last 12 years. I've not done it for my, all of my life, but for the last 12 years, that's certainly how we have tried to do things here. Uh, and so... Yeah, and with that, then then just be a listening ear to to those who I meet with. I I try to make my schedule available to meet with young men. I have several young men that I that I mentor, and it's very very deliberate my activity. It does, it, and, and I think we talked about this Tim before, um, um, you know, a, a few moments before. But I uh, it, it's um, it's very deliberate on my part to set the time. I don't expect others to call. I call people, I call them, and I set and I, I ask if they've got time to meet and um, just make my schedule available to to, to young men, and um, and that that that's that's what I would say. If you if you're interested in uh, changing the culture, then start start with one person. Ask ask God to give you the. Uh, the a name of a person that you are someone that you know uh, you, 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 you you might could strike a conversation and get to get to know a little bit uh, don't expect someone else to do it you be the one and i'm not talking to you tim i'm talking right sure <laughs> um but we should not expect um that others are doing it but you know we we the people we develop relationships with and we can pour into and expect that from them but don't use that as a, as an uh, an excuse not to do it yourself, you know, if you will, you know. Oh, yeah, great advice on that, and it does take that first step. And a lot of times, people uh, think, "Well, I'm not. No one knows who I am. What kind of influence can I have?" Or no one thinks I'm a leader. What kind of impact can I have to lead others? And I tell people every time that, you know, it doesn't matter who knows you. It's uh, who you know. Yeah. And oh. who knows you. <laughs> oh, Tim, that's so good. Look, let me tell you, I have to share one just a little story. I, it does, we don't need to know much. We, we don't. Uh, I'll never forget about... 15 years ago, I was um, at a restaurant eating and this young lady was waiting on us. And uh, at the end of the time, she had done a really good job waiting on us. And I said to her, I said, can I tell you something? I said, I said, I want you to know that you did such a good job waiting, waiting on, on, on us today. I mean, you, you really are good at this. This young girl broke out into tears. She broke out into tears. She goes, no one's ever told me I did anything good. I mean, that's what she said in the middle of the restaurant. It was a simple thing. It was a simple thing, Tim. And you said it. And the simple things is where we found we find the power that we are, may not have recognized before. Yeah. And, and you know, um, I do think that... Uh, 
it is important because I had a similar um, a similar scenario after my wife passed away with the funeral director at the funeral home. She was 20 years old. Oh, wow. No, seriously, 20 years old. And, um, you know, one of the things that I am uh, really big on is doing good because we are in a position, not just because we are, uh, you know, necessarily asked to do good, but it's because we have the opportunity to do good. And it's sad when people get so, no, it isn't sad. I think it's good when people get emotional when they're told that they've done a good job. But I think that we need to be more mindful as a culture, as a society to lift others up uh, to be able to uh, help others be emotionally, uh, I don't know, not even engaged. We need to be more engaged as a cult- culture. Do you agree with that? I agree 100%. Yes, I do. And, and I, I don't think that there's enough of it. And when we have, I believe when we get to the place where um, that changes, then I believe that we have... Um, uh, a chance to really truly change the way that our culture and our life and uh, everything. I mean, I, I think we can make a big difference in this world. And so um, I, I, I appreciate that you've done that, man. What a, I, I tell you what, I feel absolutely just motivated. I'm so jacked up to go out and make a difference today, man. Thank you, Tim. I, I, start, I am too. I am too. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I bless you and, and the work that you're doing. Keep it up, my brother. Yeah, no, I appreciate you. And, um, you know, uh, I think that, you know, you're by continuing to invest in others, you're, you know, investing in our future and you're also lifting, uh, young people up, but also holding a ladder for those young people to climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible. And that's the most important thing in this world, because, I always believe that when we do things and don't expect anything in return, it's amazing what can happen. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much uh, for um, listening to this episode of a, just a great man, Don Griffin. Uh, we look forward to seeing you in the very next episode of the Holding a Ladder in Sport and Leadership podcast. I encourage you over the next week to go hold a ladder to help someone climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible. Take care. Thanks for listening. And until our next episode, I challenge you to hold a ladder for someone to climb to greater heights than they ever thought possible.